All right, welcome back to the 24 podcast. I'm definitely excited today to be able to be talking to James Swallow, um, a New York Times bestselling author uh, many times over. Uh, He's written, uh, looks like, over 30 books in the last 15 years or so, uh, several different series. And the one, of course, that we're going to talk about today is 24 Deadline. And so, James, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be on the show. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you guys uh, are out there having the, the signal for, for the book and also for the TV show. Absolutely. And so I, I just finished reading the book not too long ago. And so um, I, I definitely appreciate you helping me be able to get a hold of a uh, a book, a copy of that, um, to be able to talk about it today. And so um, definitely would recommend that for um, anyone that is um, even remotely interested in 24 and so um i i wish i would have read more of the books that had been written before uh, and actually i have plans now to go back and read some of them just to be able to kind of um that get some more perspective and some different uh things that way and so uh I, I didn't think i would like a book as much as i actually like watching the show but i i really did i found myself really getting drawn into the book and so uh, we'll get a little bit more into the book here in just a little bit, though. Why don't you go ahead and start off by letting people know a little bit more about yourself, um, and then we'll lead into how you started watching 24. Sure. Well, um, uh, I've been a writer now since, uh, let's see, I, I quit my day job back in uh, 1997, I think. Um, I used to be an entertainment journalist. I used to write for uh, movie magazines, and, and I used to write for computer games magazines and stuff like that. Um did that for a while, and then I. Uh, but I always wanted to be a novelist, and so um, I, I wrote a few books uh, off my own back, and then I got the opportunity to write for a, a few tie-in novels for a, a few sort of like franchises that I was a big fan of, stuff like uh, Doctor Who and Star Trek, a lot of kind of sci-fi sort of franchises and things. But I'm also I've always been a, a big fan of sort of action thriller and action adventure stories as well. And uh, you know, a few years later, one of one of my editors who was uh, used to work with me on the Star Trek franchise was working at uh, Tor Books, which is the imprint that Forge is under. And uh, the Forge guys had got the license to do 24. And uh, he got in touch with me and said, would you be interested in doing this? And um, I pretty much kind of leapt down his throat and absolutely, I would love to write 24. When HarperCollins had the license, um, when they were doing the 24 Declassified series, I actually did kind of put a few feelers out then to see if I could... uh, pitch the idea of a 24 novel ironically the novel i wanted to pitch was a story about jack bauer in london which is kind of kind of strange the way that things uh, ended <laughs> up with uh, with live another day you know um but uh, the opportunity wasn't there they, they weren't looking for other writers at the time and so uh, when this came up uh, like i said I, I really leapt at it because I've, uh, I've been a fan of the show since season one um and it was fun for me to write something that's kind of a little bit outside the wheeled house of what I normally do, which is kind of sci-fi. But as I say, action-adventure is, a, is a, uh, my kind of like, you know, uh, one of my, my loves uh, in, in film and television. So it was uh, a lot of fun for me to do this. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to be a writer. Uh, I always say to people that, you know, the, the happy man is the guy who can do the job that he loves for a living. And uh, I'm pretty happy to be able to, you know, basically sit down in front of a computer and make stuff up for a living and uh, sometimes i can't i think to myself i can't believe they pay me to do this because <laughs> it's it's uh it's, it's it's i used to write for a hobby i used to write stories just for fun 
and and now I've got to the point where where I get paid for it. So um, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and I'm hoping that I can uh, just continue to write fiction uh, for as long as I can. Excellent, excellent. Um, now, as you look at the book, it takes place um, an hour after the end of season eight. That's right. Um, so, did did you want to go ahead and kind of uh, set up as far as after you um, got contracted to do the book, um, kind of the um, maybe kind of the instructions you were given and kind of the right, sure. direction you were looking at? Okay. Well, um, well, what happened was um, just to refer back to the the, the Harper Collins books before that is the the twenty four declassified novels were all set, I believe, kind of pre season one, and they were all kind of prequel flashback kind of stories. Um, but this was going to be something different. So board, we had a we had a very compacted timeline. Things were like coming together very quickly, and it was kind of a perfect storm of events. And I was just in the kind of right place at the right time to to write the series of books. In fact, at the beginning, they actually had asked me to write um, all three books in the series and do them back to back. And uh, much to my chagrin, I could only fit uh, one of them in the novel, uh, one of them into my my schedule. So I said, but definitely, I want to write the first one out of the gate. Um. And they came to us with uh, uh, a bunch of different ideas, and, <clears throat> but the, the core one was that the books were going to be set in the four-year time period the, before Live Another Day. Because, you know, we have, uh, we have that final scene, you know, of, uh, of the last day of, of, you know, Jack looking up into the camera of the drone and the, the screen fades away. And, and then the next thing we know, Jack Bowers in London, but it's four years later. What happened in those four years? And that was the directive that we had from from Fox and from the 24 production people is, you know, take that four years and, and tell the story set in that period. But specifically for me, what they wanted me to say, you know, we left Jack in this situation where he's on the run in New York city, where he's being chased by pretty much everybody is tell that specific story. Tell us how Jack got out of uh, New York. How did he get out of the USA? And where did he go after that? And how did that happen? And so as soon as, as that was handed to me, I thought, well, that's, that's my story right there is, you know, is that he had that promise that he made to his daughter that he said to Kim, you know, I was going to give all this stuff up and, 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 uh, and then retire. And of course, none of that happens. And so, uh, I immediately thought, well, this is kind of going to be a road movie story because it's, it's Jack trying to get back to his daughter to fulfill that last kind of promise to sort of say goodbye to her. Because, you know, we already know that in the show that he, he previously pretended he was dead and he doesn't want to do that again. So, you know, he wants to kind of just have this one thing before he drops off the radar forever. But of course, things never go easy for Jack Bauer. Mm. You know, every day for Jack is a bad day. And, um, and so this is the story of him kind of racing across the country, being the, the, the hunter becoming the hunted for, for a change um, and having to deal with this situation. And of course, along the way, not only is he being chased by um, American forces, he's also being chased by Russian forces. And then in the middle of that, he comes across a situation. Uh, he finds something very nasty taking place in this small town in the Midwest. And Jack being Jack, he's not the kind of guy who can turn his back on people in danger. So he gets involved in that and everything comes to a head. And uh, a lot of stuff blows up. A lot of people get shot and a lot of bad things happen to good people. But um, And Jack, as ever, is kind of a, you know at the eye of the storm. Yeah, I I love that. Um, uh, I, I I can't remember which chapter it was chapter four, or chapter five when you brought um his old ally back. Um, oh I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna leave it vague unless you want to um reveal it. But that, that that was a shock to me. I, I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess should we should we should talk about that now? Are we gonna do non spoilers? Should we we be spoiler free on this? 
Oh, I mean, we, we we can drop a few, but I mean, I I definitely don't want to go too deep into the book. I mean, first sure. couple of chapters is probably okay. okay, I guess. Okay, yeah, no worries. So uh, yeah. So 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 yeah. So uh, we're talking about Chase, and so Chase Edmonds comes comes back into play, and it's really interesting the way that you um, had set that up, and so I I really appreciate the way that you brought him back, and you kind of brought the two men um, back together, and kind of like just picked up where they left off almost. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to do, again, to kind of try and set this new series of novels uh, aside from what had been done before, is, is I wanted to bring back some characters that we were familiar with. So there's, there's a group of new characters in there, but I also wanted to kind of reach back into previous seasons of 24 and acknowledge events that had taken place and, and look at, uh, you know, events that have happened. So, for example, there is a, there's an FBI agent, um, Jorge Kilner, who is uh, a character who turns up in, I can't remember which season it is, no, the, the season in Washington, D.C.? Um, right, okay, season seven. But season seven, I'm blanking on that. Um, just a, a, a small bit part character who turns up in one scene where he's uh, Jack's uh, handcuffed in the back of an SUV and he's just this FBI agent who says to him, you know, I respect what you're doing, Mr. Bauer, is that, you know, we don't all think that you're a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I just picked that character out. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make this guy a character in the story. So he's involved in the FBI, the FBI's manhunt for Jack. And he's kind of the one guy who says, well, you know, maybe Jack Bauer is not a bad guy. You know, maybe he's a good man being forced to do bad things. And that kind of creates a whole sort of tension with him. But, mm-hmm. but I wanted to bring back another character, a main character, who Jack could have a conversation with, someone who could work with him. And... The reason I wanted to bring Chase back in is because I thought he was a very compelling character, but I never really felt kind of satisfied with the way that his story ended. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we had, you know, we had this idea that, you know, he was in a relationship with, with, um, with Kim and then did that really work out? And he had this daughter and, and you know, and, and then there's the whole thing about him, you know, uh, living out in sort of California, living out in Valencia. And then, of course, what happens a you know, season or so later, Valencia gets blown up by a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I know that some people were saying, well, you know, was Chase there? Did he get killed? And all of those ideas started kind of rolling around in my head. And I thought, well, you know, this is a, this is an interesting idea for for me. To him after, you know, he had his hand cut off and then sewn back on again. Did you know? Did he make something of himself, or did it did it work, or did it not? And all of this started to come in together. And I thought, this is a really interesting kind of plot thread. And I want to bring Chase back. You know, I want to see what happened to him and how. You know how the events of, of of you know trying to get back get his life back after he had his hand cut off with the whole thing with the Cordilla virus and everything, and how that affected him and you know was he involved in the 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 nuclear bomb and how did that involve him and his family and all the kind of you know the echoes of of stuff that happened in previous seasons, because I think one thing that that Twenty Four doesn't do enough in the TV show is is kind of deal with the consequences of stuff that happens in previous days. If you think about it, I mean, we've had like, you know, a couple of nuclear bombs go off on U.S. soil and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like sometimes you watch the season and it almost feels like it's kind of happening in a bit of a bubble. Mm-hmm. So, I w- so I wanted to draw on those things and say, you know, stuff that's happened in previous years has had an effect on people. Yeah. Way, I mean, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a character in the novel who um, is uh, a doomsday prepper. And, uh, and I've been watching a documentary show about, about these guys, and I found that really interesting. And I thought, well, somebody like that living in the United States of the 24 world would pretty much feel like somebody who was pretty beleaguered, who was being attacked by terrorists left, right, and center. So I wanted to kind of play into that. And, um, 
And definitely Chase's storyline comes out of that. And I also just love the relationship between the two characters. Uh, and I thought, well, who's somebody who Jack can, can bond with and who would, you know, he, who could he go to when he was on the run? Somebody that he would, he would be able to trust and he would be able to pick up with. And I thought Chase was the perfect fix for that. Um, and he's a very different character from Jack as well. So the two of them reflect differently off of each other. And I think that both of them kind of bring out each other's strengths um, in the scenes where they're, um, they're together. Yeah, and um, I, in the in the TV show, they don't go into a whole lot of the past relationship of Jack and Chase. Uh, but I like how no. you kind of um, uh, created some some backstory for them and um, allowed that kind of make their relationship go a little bit deeper and maybe kind of help us maybe understand them a little bit more as um but part of me wants to go back and watch season three just so i can kind of see it again in light of uh the the stories that you kind of interwoven into it and so i I think i think it really added a depth to it and to their relationship as you see that that they're getting along i mean there's the uh the struggle that chase has um when jack approaches him and it's like why in the world would i want to help you but then again i mean there's still that bond that he just can't get away from and so Mm -hmm. I, i really loved how you brought that out yeah, I mean, there's definitely that kind of relationship between both of those guys. I think if the situation was reversed, Jack would drop everything to help Chase if he came to him. Uh, and they have that kind of understanding, you know. But it's funny you say about the backstory stuff. I mean, some of that um, is actually material that was in the 24 video game, which um, is set before the season where Chase is introduced. And you get a whole kind of plot line there. And so, you know, that's supposed to be all kind of part of the, the, the 24 world, also all part of the, if you want to use the word canonical, I hate, I hate to use that term because people always argue over what's, what is official and what isn't. But to me, you know, it all feels like it's part of the same 24 world. And I wanted to make sure that Deadline feels like something that slots right in with all those things. So to me, you know, I played the 24 video game and I really enjoyed it. So I thought, well, why not accept this as part of 24's history? So... So there is a you know there's a little touchstone um, back to that as well. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't know that about the 24 games. I knew that there had been one, but I'd never played it, so I didn't know anything that was in there. So okay, very nice. So, well, if you ever get the chance, I think it's like a it's an old PS2 game, so it's probably available for pennies now. If you have a PlayStation 2, it's worth oh. giving it a go if, if you're a 24 fan. Yeah, I do have one. I actually have it uh, sitting on my shelf right here. I'm looking at it. Nice. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll have to look into that. See if maybe I can scrounge that up that might be kind of fun to be able to do now um uh, th- there's obviously another character that you brought back um from jack's past um that that's kind of a, um i mean not really an ally but i mean at least someone that he cooperates with for um a short time so i, I want to leave that one as a surprise because that's toward the end um, but, but, but I, I really liked how you kind of did that. And so that was another one of them where it's like, wow, really Jack did that. Um, that's but, see, that was a, that's one of my favorite supporting characters from the show. You're the, the one that you're particularly talking about. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> how can I, how can we frame this? It's a, you know, a dark kind of character. And, and I thought this is an interesting situation. Here's a character that in other circumstances, Jack would be sort of like, you know, putting a gun to their head and dragging them away and, and locking them in a cell somewhere. But because of the circumstances he finds himself in, is he now finds himself reluctantly allied to this person. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's an interesting relationship to have, to explore that, you know? Yeah, that, that, I, I definitely love that, definitely. Now, um, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, another part of the book that we should mention. Is there anything that you can think of that, that you'd like to mention, particularly about the book, um, 
that that you think would be um, particularly interesting to uh, people that might be interested in getting it? Well, I guess um, I, I, I try to write this book kind of with, with, with my foot in kind of two worlds. You know, in one way, I was thinking I'm writing this for myself, for the guy who's a 24 fan who started watching it season one and is a fan of the show and has absorbed a lot of the material. But I also tried to write it for people who maybe had just come to 24 for the very first time, you know, and had watched Live Another Day and, and they were asking themselves the question is like, you know, who is this guy before he did these things? So I was trying to write it in a way that it would appeal to, to both groups of people. So, you know, I like to think that if you're a, if you're a hardcore 24 fan, you're going to find little nuggets of stuff in here that, that nods to different things. I mean, one of my things to do in the story, um, and this is a great thing that you can do with novels that you can't do with, with, well, you can't do it very well with movie or TV, is you can get inside a character's head. Is, you, know, you can see what they're thinking and you can, you know, you get that unique internal viewpoint. And so this was something that I definitely wanted to do um, with my novel. And, um, and my editor, Melissa Frayne, she was very much behind that 100%. She was pushing me to do that more. In fact, she said, you know, one of the things that she loved about Jack as a character was his ability to kind of process a situation. And, and you know, like, you know, you, you never get the sense that when Jack's dropped in a, a room full of bad guys, he doesn't know what he's going to do. You know, he's, mm -hmm. Jack always has a plan. And she said to me, you know, let's see that in the novel. So that was definitely in my head is that, you know, moments where you're, you're inside Jack's thoughts and you understand his process. And I'm going to go over there. I'm going to break that guy's wrist, steal his gun, kick this guy in the face, spin around, shoot that guy over there. You know, you can see he's like, he processes this stuff like a machine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting. But of course, uh, you get the flip side of it as well. Is that you get, uh, the darkness and the and the, the way that he's been troubled by all the things that he's had to do and, and all the terrible strain that's put on this guy, uh, you know, in, in all of the circumstances he's gone through. And I think that was really interesting to just dig deep and get inside Jack's head a little bit. Uh, and that enabled me to, um, you know, even to, to bring back some sort of characters from his past like uh, Nina Myers. Is mm -hmm. Nina, I think, is, you know, Nina's like, I think she's probably one of the best villains the series ever had. And she mm -hmm. definitely kind of left this horrible imprint on Jack's life for all the terrible things that she did to him. And so I wanted to write a story and I wanted to have Nina in it, but of course she's dead. What can I do? So, mm -hmm. I, so, I, so I found a way to kind of like through Jack's memories and through Jack's kind of, in the way Jack's emotions have developed is to kind of touch back on that. And, and so in a way we see a little bit of the way that it's almost like the ghost of Nina Myers is kind of like forever casting a shadow over him because of what happened to him with her. That to me, it was interesting to kind of get into that space. Yeah, that was. And there was one time when um, um, Jack is actually sleeping, which is um, I think there's been a, Maybe once or twice did you actually see that happen on the show, <laughs> yeah. um, but but he he actually had fallen asleep at one point, um, and I think that was the only time that he fell asleep, and it was in the car when Chase was driving, and um and and then you open the chapter with with, with this scene that takes place, um and, and then it comes out that it's just a dream that yeah, Jack had yeah. had. Yeah, and he's just li literally just kind of <laughs> drifting back into his memories. That's the, the reason I did that was um. When I started writing the book, I was thinking about all the things that we have never seen happen in an episode of 24. People always make jokes about the show, you know, about mm -hmm. how could he cross L.A. In, in half an hour? You know, traffic's terrible and that kind of thing. So I thought, well, you know, what? All, all the things that people say never happen in an episode of 24. I'm going to make sure all those things happen in this book. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Jack, so 
know, Jack Sleep. I mean, and let's face it, he deserves it because, you know, this is taking place an hour after. He's already been up for an entire day before this book even starts, right? So, um, so he, you know, he, he nods off in the back of a car. You know, he, he runs out of ammunition. He gets bad cell phone reception at one point, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and he stops to have something to eat. You know, it's all these things that, that maybe we don't have time to see him do when, when, when he's in the TV show. So I'm just going to drop those moments in to show that, you know, he isn't a superhuman kind of guy. It was it was funny actually. I, I did some research before I started writing the book into how long people can go without sleep and how it affects you. And I found a very interesting sort of article about how um, Delta Force had done all of these experiments on people to see how long soldiers could kind of operate at the limits of their their sort of endurance without sleep. And, you, and apparently, according to them, you you can go for like three days. If you're properly trained and properly motivated and properly fed and watered and you get your vitamins and things, mm-hmm. but but then who's Jack? Who's like you know already gone through? He's already stumped and he's been shot recently and you know and he, he and he's on the run and all these kind of things. And I'm thinking, well, that would be interesting to see how that would affect the character. And so again, that's kind of part of the, the way the story unfolds. I think all of that sort of the circumstances he's in at the point the story is unfolding affect the kind of Jack Bauer that you're seeing in this story. You know, he's not the same guy that you see at the beginning of Live Another Day. He's had four years of other stuff to happen to him. And so in mm-hmm. a way, when I, when I was watching Live Another Day, I was looking at, the, looking at where he was at the beginning of the story and thinking, I've got to dial the clock back here. Because um, when, when we started work with that, um, Fox were very, very helpful about the show. You know, they, they gave us a lot of information. Um, very early on, they sent me uh, a whole bunch of, um, of scripts for a live another day before the show had actually started airing. Uh, and that was kind of cool. I got this, like, you know, this specially certified package arrived to my house. And when I opened it up, there were these scripts and they're printed on blood red paper. And it's, it's a special script paper that you cannot make a Xerox copy of it. If you, if you put it in a photocopier it, and the copies will come out just black because of the way the paper is treated. Mm-hmm. And and, it, and each one is like got a special time code and it's got my name stamped on it. So if it got leaked or anything like that, they would know it was me. And it was this super security thing, and I had to sign all these documents and forms, promising <laughs> that I wouldn't tell anybody about what was happening in the show. Um, and it was very cool to kind of you know to kind of get a drop on all of that and and, and be and be reading about the storyline uh, the way it unfolded. Um, and again, you know, being able to draw elements, go okay, I know where Jack is going to be in four years' time. How do we get from here to there? So mm-hmm. this is just the story. You know, this is just really the story of the next 24 hours in Jack's life. Um, you know, we, we didn't want to write a, a book that would cover the full four years because that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a hell of a lot of other bad days he's still got to have. Right. You know, and at the same time, there's also um, the guys at IDW were doing the, the 24 Underground comic book as well, which takes place, I believe, kind of closer towards the back end of those four years. So they had a storyline that they were telling as well. And I was talking to, to uh, the guys there and just saying, you know, we were making sure that we kind of were not stepping on each other's toes. So you can read Deadline and you can read Underground and it's not like one contradicts the other one. Because, mm-hmm. again, you know, we, I think it's important to make it feel like it's all part of one world. Right. That you don't end up sort of kind of, you know, um, stepping on each other's toes. But like I say, we had a very truncated timeline. I mean, I, I think in the end, I... I I managed to get the book out in 48 days from, from zero to finished, which was um, a bit of a rush um, and quite crazy. And I don't think I'd like to do that again. 
But it was, uh, you know, a friend of mine said, well, at least you didn't do it. At least they didn't just give you 24 hours to write it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have I gone insane. Oh, the, <laughs> there, there, there's a challenge for you. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. All right. Well, very good. I, I definitely appreciate, again, the time that you've taken to be able to share these things with us. And so um, definitely would love to direct people to be able to get the book. Um, uh, I know it's on Amazon. I assume it's um, anywhere books are sold, basically. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, currently the, the the hardback edition is out in the United States. That's published by Forge Books. There's also um, an audio book version, uh, a complete unabridged audio version uh, that's being released by Audible, and you can get that as a, a digital download. There's also an ebook version of it. I believe the the U.S. paperback edition uh, is going to be coming out in August next year. But if you're in uh, Europe, there is a, a British paperback edition that's available from Titan Books. Um, and as I understand it, it will be translated into German. And I think there's a couple of other languages who are also looking at doing translated editions as well. Wow, very awesome. Well, um, in the show notes, we're going to try to have um, as many of these links as we can to make it easy. And so you can go to the 24podcast.com um, and we'll try to have links to those to make it easy for you try to get those, um, you that are listening to this. And so, um, highly recommend it. And so, uh, very good. And so thank you again, James, for taking your time and, uh, uh, maybe we'll be able to talk again sometime. Sure. I mean, I'd also like to just put a shout out as well for, um, two of my fellow authors, uh, David Mack and Dayton Ward, who are, who are going to be writing the next two books in the series. Um, these haven't, uh, the official announcement and the release dates haven't all been sorted out yet. And it's all kind of up in the air. But um, Dave Mack has announced that his book's going to be called Rogue. Um, and I've read the manuscript for it, and it's very cool. I can't tell you any more than that. But, um, you know, he sent it to me to take a look at it. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome stuff. Cause, uh, and, and Dayton Ward uh, is writing the third book that's following that one, and the title's not been announced yet. Um, but Dayton and Dave uh, are both good friends of mine and both big, big 24 fans who are super excited about getting the opportunity to write stories for G- Jack, and I can tell you that you know you're going to love what they're going to do as well. All right, well, uh, uh, Dave and Dayton, if you happen to be listening, uh, be on the lookout. I'll probably be trying to reach out to you to try to talk to you as well. So, very awesome. Well, thanks again. Cool. Thank you, Joshua.